It's 40 years since King and Martina Navratilova were forced out of the closet and lost almost all of their endorsements overnight. Attitudes have since changed, but there are still challenges. We were so excited yeah. when we when we finally got to play. And but it's so good because, I mean, she, she decided to play with me. She could have easily played with someone else. In 2019, Belgian tennis players Alison van Oytvank and Greet Minen made history. On Wimbledon's delicately preened courts, that southwest London bastion of tradition, Alison and Greet partnered each other in the first round of the women's doubles. They were the first openly gay same-sex couple to play together at the tournament. It's nice to hear that somebody actually felt comfortable coming out after seeing these things happen, which which is actually also our goal. Yeah, um, it's amazing if you can inspire people mm-hmm. to be themselves. And I think we did it and our lives became much better and mm-hmm. we're much happier. So I can only encourage other people to do the same. Sport has come a long way, but homophobia remains dangerously ingrained in society. In 2020, the Out on the Fields research organisation reported that the burden experienced by LGBTQ plus young people is considered a critical public health concern. You get these hate messages and like even really threats sometimes, like they they threaten to kill your family and this and that and... It's just crazy sometimes. Over the past five years, Greet and Alison have trained together, lived together, played against each other and embraced on tennis courts for the whole world to see. Two role models blazing a trail of visibility for LGBTQ plus sports people everywhere. I'm Owen Blackhurst and for Eurosport, this is Raw. Stories of bravery, determination and talent. Alison and Greet were both born in Flemish-speaking provinces of Belgium. Alison just outside Brussels in 1994, and Greet a couple of years later in Antwerp. By the age of five, they were both playing tennis regularly, although not initially on traditional courts. My first interaction was at my grandparents' place, and we used to draw a tennis court with my brother and have like two posts and a... Yeah, like a rope, a little rope to put the net. And I was playing with him when I was, yeah, four, five, six years old. Yeah, mine was, um, it was together with my dad and brother. We had, uh, in the back, there was like this big parking place where we would play, all three of us. And, and I loved it from the very first minute. They speak to us from the front room of their home just outside Brussels. Both have that glint in their eye you get from professional athletes talking about doing their sport for the first time. Those early interactions with any sport are the best, aren't they? The purest. Doesn't matter what size the racket is or if the net is made from a bit of rope you've found or even if your court is just a couple of empty car park spaces. There's an unbridled joy to it. In any sport. We're going to acknowledge this now. To an ear untrained to the delicacies of the Flemish accent, Alison and Greet's voices are very similar. So keep your ears peeled. From the start, Alison's talent was apparent to anyone watching. She was spotted early on, and former Belgian pro Daphne van der Zand gave her lessons at the local club. 
Soon after, she was inducted into the Flemish Tennis Association. Alison really struggled with the fight for places in the hierarchies that formed. For me, it was a tough time at a young age, being away from my parents, and it was not an easy time I had over there, which took me also in a struggle after a bit. And I don't know, they started laughing with my red hair and this kind of things. I was really skinny at that time. Um, so yeah, they saw me as a weak link, I think. And they used it a lot. And in these two years that I was there, it was crying a lot, <laughs> like really a lot. It was kind of hard. Places like that are difficult to navigate, away from your parents, living there, learning there, and finding your way. Alison left after two years. Her self-esteem was low, and she'd started to believe the things that the bullies told her. The best revenge that I took is maybe that I made it as a tennis player, and none of them made it as a tennis player. So now they do... I mean, they, they tried after a while to start texting me again and all these kind of things, but I was like... No, I don't need that now. <laughs> it's been a struggle enough, so now you shouldn't come here. <laughs> but yeah, it made me also a tougher person, I think. Alison went back to a normal school and started to train with a former coach. She then went on the junior circuit and soon began to enjoy her tennis again. Greet was also training hard, and by 2013, she'd started at the Belgian Federation in Antwerp. Hearing the two of them discuss the intricacies of being a tennis junior and travelling to play against other kids is sort of terrifying. A whole world organised in terms of competition. It is ruthless. It's hard because you don't know if you're going to make it at the end. You don't know if you're good enough. And uh, that makes it tougher, I think, when you're like 14, 15. Uh, it's tough to compete with that. Um but I started to realize, I think, around juniors' time that I had the level to compete with the best. And uh, then I think it's just a, a different wor world, these juniors. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, you're, you're friends with the girls, but... Yeah, but not. But not. <laughs> but you're not really. You'll remember being a teenager, and maybe you still are one. It's difficult, a complex world. You kind of think you know everything, and maybe you do, but coming to terms with things like emotions can be extremely difficult. Alison and Greet met while playing tennis at the Federation and initially became close friends. Alison had started to consider her sexuality, but because of the way society operates, she questioned whether it was acceptable. But meeting each other as teenagers, that changed everything. When I was like 16, I started to think like, maybe I, I like girls more. But then you're like, oh no, it cannot be that way, you know? You're like doubting about it and it shouldn't be that way. And I think for her it was a bit different as she still had boyfriends before. And Yeah, I never really thought about it until I met her. Uh, I always had boyfriends and I... I, I don't think I can say I was attracted to any other girls. I, I just didn't think about it. I didn't know it was even an option. 
uh, until I met her and then we became really close friends first and then after I think one or two years we yeah we really uh, bonded and we yeah we became much closer which was really surprising in the beginning for me um, because yeah I didn't expect it and I didn't really know how to react and and uh, like it was a struggle in my head for sure. I didn't know. After a week, she was like, oh, "Let's let's quit it. <laughs> let's quit it. I can. I mean, it, it cannot happen." And I was like, yeah. "Okay, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> but I just, yeah, I finally. I I mean, I couldn't stay away from her because I liked her too much, and uh, yeah, I wanted to see where this was going, and I wanted to give it a shot. <laughs> They were unsure about the way they felt and the way it would be perceived. As is often the way with relationships, other people had noticed the connection first. When, when I was about 19, I went back to the Federation and yeah, she was always there. And, and uh, I think that's where we really started to know each other, like um, who she was, who I was, and started to bond more and more. And that's where we... Yeah, after a few years, we would always go every year to get those two weeks. We would love that at one yeah. point. <laughs> um, so that was really nice. And our coaches even could see it at one point that something was going on. But we were always saying like, no, no, no. We didn't know it ourselves <laughs> no. in the beginning. We in the beginning, know. nobody. We didn't know and they thought we were already a couple, but mm-hmm. nothing happened in the beginning. Yeah. So that was, it was kind of strange that they already saw what was what was coming and yeah. we even didn't notice it. By 2016, Alison and Greet were in a proper relationship. And despite knowing and trusting each other for so long, it was still difficult. After all, in 2019, the out-in-the-field research on international homophobia in sport found that 82% of athletes had received homophobic slurs on a sports field in the last 12 months. For so many people... Being gay is still a problem, and they had to find the right space to make it apparent. Telling family was complex. Your family can be the most difficult people to speak to in the world. We all know that. And initially, Greek remembers keeping the relationship under wraps. We didn't say, oh, let's do this this week or today, or let's come out now. I, uh, I think the first three months we kept it a secret, but... After three months, we really figured out that we wanted to continue our our relationship. And we told our parents and our family, uh, which was not easy. I mean, I think my family struggled uh, a bit more than yours. I mean, they didn't expect it and it wasn't easy for them, which I I understand, of course. Uh, So, um, but your parents were really supportive and um, they really accepted it from the moment and they really welcomed me into the into their family which was great because it wasn't an easy time for us they decided in the profession they had worked so hard to get into that they would be bold they knew that their pride could massively help the next generation once we were on tour together we never were like okay let's let's keep it a secret we were always open and yeah, yeah we would just say it and we would be proud of it and yeah. i think we were 
a role model for a lot of people, even on social media. I think we got a lot of positive reactions when we posted something, which was really nice. Yeah. But yeah, I think we never thought about it like, okay, let's make it publicly. No, I don't think you have to think about these things. You just... Be yourself. Yeah, be yourself. And, and you you're, you can't control what the outside world is going to say or what other people are going to say. You can't control it. So you might as well just be yourself and be happy because, I mean, there's no point in, in hiding or anything. Things were accelerating on court too. Alison won her first WTA tournament in Taipei in 2013. By 2015, she got all the way to the quarters at Roland Garros. By 2018, they were on the tour together. Greet won four ITF tournaments that year and was ranked about 300th in the world. And then, in that July, at SW19, the two of them hit the back pages. The players have arrived for the last scheduled match here on court number two. And it is the defending champion in the ladies' singles, Garbina Muguruza, seeded number three this year against Alison van Oytbank. Alison had drawn third-ranked Garbinier Muguruza in the second round of the tournament, the reigning champion of Wimbledon. As always then, Muguruza has got a game face on. Very professional tennis player. Defending her title Alison here at Wimbledon. Van to serve. Against the number 47 ranked player Play. in the world, Alison van Oytbank, who's serving first. After losing the first set 5-7, Alison turned on the afterburners. Just relentless hitting from van Oytbank. Well played, you deserve game this. game is van Oytbank. Repeated forehands hammering across the net. Deep cross-court missiles sending Muguruza flying. Oh, it's just fabulous. So refreshing to see a player like her come onto a court as big as this against a player like Muguruza and just hit it out of the park. With a backhand drop shot, Alison won the second set 6-2. Oh, she's been playing brilliantly right from the word go. She deserves this. In the fourth game of the final set, she broke the defending champion's serve. And by the seventh game, Alison was 5-1 up and on match point. Oh, that is it! Game, set, match, Miss Van Oytvang. She won it with an ace. Two sets to one. 5-7, Alison Van Oytvang, 24 years of age, from Belgium. Ranked 47 in the world. She's through to the third round of Wimbledon, therefore, for the first time. But how has she done it? She's beaten the defending champion and number three seed, Garbinia Muguruza. I, I still don't know how, how I could beat Garbinia at that time. It was just... Uh, uh, I think I played one of my best two sets in my life yeah. ever. It was crazy. I was just on a roll. I enjoyed it. And then after that, I was just... I just wanted to share this moment with her. As Alison walked off court, she made a beeline for Greet. With heads turning and cameras flashing, they kissed. I was so happy that she was there, that my dad was there. Uh, but It was the same thing. We didn't <laughs> think about it. We no. just saw each other, we kissed each other. And yeah. we didn't know there were so many people standing no. around us, like taking pictures. We... We, we didn't even realize it until we saw it uh, everywhere <laughs> a few minutes later on Twitter and everywhere. Uh, I was just so happy. She was so happy. Yeah. And 
you know, she's the most important person in my life. So I wanted to share this with her. And then next day or in the evening, you see everything on social media, newspapers coming up. But I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. For us, it was not, I mean, it was not a big deal. No, but some people were like, should this happen? Yeah. But okay. I mean, we felt it was the right thing to do, so... Billie Jean King was at Wimbledon that day. The Billie Jean King of 39 Grand Slam titles, of the Battle of the Sexes, of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And eight miles down the road, 30,000 people were lined in the streets of central London to celebrate Pride. It all added up to a hyper-important moment of visibility. The following year, Alison and Greet were back at Wimbledon. Only this time, they're on the court together. The first gay couple to compete in the doubles. They played together before and it had gone well. Exceptionally well. In Luxembourg in 2018, they'd made their doubles debut. Greet's ranking was 723rd and Alison's was 512 before the tournament. They shouldn't have had a chance. But they won the whole thing. Wimbledon's different though. A grand slam. Eyes watching every volley, every lob, every high five. And it's tough doing your job with a friend, let alone your partner. She can be like a different person on court. I'm really scared of her when she's (laughs) stepping on the court. (laughs) Like, I don't, I mean, I like to practice with her, but I I want to have fun and, you know, and she can be like... I'm more serious on court, (laughs) I guess, yeah. So sometimes we can be like, okay, chill out. Yeah. but this is fun, and then yeah. in, I think in in Wimbledon we were so excited yeah. when we when we finally got to play. And but it's so good because I mean she, she did, decided to play with me. She could have easily played with someone else and then would have gotten in for sure. Uh, but she wanted to play with me, and I still fe- feel very honored to to have played with her. And <laughs> yeah, I do. Of course, I want to play with you. <laughs> I mean, it's normal. It was fun. They'd shown people watching that you could be who you actually are. Even at the most elite venues in the world. They won the match too. And afterwards, Alison and Greet reiterated to the media that it was just natural for them. They also spoke about men's tennis. The American Brian Verhele is the only player in the history of the game to come out. And that wasn't until 2017, ten years after he'd retired. At the time... He spoke about how homophobia was just a part of locker room culture. Alison and Greek told the media that they hoped what they had done could make it easier for men to come out too. In the whole men's tour, there should be one gay player. I cannot imagine having so many players. I think it would be good to have like um, some guys at the top to say like it's okay and we would accept it. I think that would help. It's also the community. The, I feel the community accepts more two women together than two men together. Yeah. That's what I get as a feeling. In that, general, yeah. Yeah, not even in sports, yeah. in general. Like, And these things are the things that we should try to change in yeah. the world. So these things should change. And then I think there will be more people feel comfortable to come out. That's out to the field research piece that we told you about earlier found that high-profile sports people coming out would be the most influential reason for others to do the same. We were 
were just so lucky to have Billie Jean King and uh, so many other great players who, mm. who were gay and they really, yeah, they made it possible for us to, yeah. to come out and to be ourselves and maybe... Yeah, in, in men's tennis it hasn't happened yet, but there should always be a first one, for sure. And you should just, like, don't think about it and don't listen to what they say or think. And yeah. That's my opinion, but it's, it's easier said than done, of course. <laughs> it is easier said than done, especially when high-profile former players are sharing their archaic views. In 2017, after former Australian number one Casey Delacre announced that her and her female partner were having a child, Margaret Court waded in. She wrote about how the baby was being deprived of a father and her horror at seeing the dismantling of the traditional family unit. Margaret Court won 64 Grand Slam titles. She's one of the all-time legends of the game. You can imagine how it felt hearing that. It's really tough to to hear these things and especially because she's such an amazing champion and I, I also don't understand what she gets out of it by saying these things. I think she got a lot of bad reactions. It didn't make her popular. No, a lot of people supported us and not her. Yeah, which was also great to see. Yeah, it just makes you really sad because, I mean... There are going to be people who are going to listen to her and that's, yeah. yeah, that's just a shame. It's not what we need in the community, no. I think. We're not sick, we're not, we just have feelings for the same gender and, I mean, we don't hurt anybody by doing that. With both of them plying their trade on the WTA tour, it was only a matter of time before they faced each other. In July 2019, in Karlsruhe, it finally happened. I got a message from a, a German player, Antonia Lotner. She's like, I'm going to watch this match with popcorn. <laughs> I'm like, what's happening here? And she, then I saw the draw. I was like, no way. She told me we're playing each other. I'm like, no, you're kidding me. Um, yeah, I was so so surprised. Yeah, We wanted it to be done. Um, yeah. But I think we were acting normal. We were warming up with each other. We were laughing. And once the match started... We were like, okay, let's let's do it as a match. Let's make the best out of it, out of it, and play the best we can. And that's what we both did. It was actually not a bad match. We both played, so which yeah. was kind of surprising. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we played well, and we were both. We tried to focus on our own shots and play our own match. Yeah. And after that, it was back to girlfriends. Yeah. Alison won 6-4-1-6-6-1. But really, both of them just wanted it to be over with. We wanted it to be to be done yeah. as soon as possible. Because you don't want the other person to lose. Of course, I was a bit disappointed that I lost. But, I mean, if, if I would have lost, then I would be happy to lose against her. And we know it will happen again, probably. I mean, I want you to win every match. And yeah. she wants me to win every yeah. match. So... So, yeah, we know that's going to happen again, but until that, let's not think about it. (laughs) More important than who won was what happened at the end of the game and what it signified. As the two players congratulated each other at the net, they hugged, held each other and then kissed. 
When I won the match, I hugged her and I I told her let's let's have a kiss and she was like no 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 I said come <laughs> on let's do it and then she was like okay <laughs> but I I remember that time that somebody took it on a video or something and put it on on social yeah. media and I think we got a lot of likes and retweets and yeah. all these things and we were like whoa what is happening yeah. we got a lot of followers that day. They'd once again made something that is often invisible, very visible. A month later in New York, a man recognised Alison and told her that that kiss at the net had made him feel comfortable to come out. This was bigger than a win. Bigger than new followers. Bigger than someone hitting the like button. For Alison and Greet, who announced their engagement in December 2020, this meant everything. The ultimate goal is that the sporting world finally embraces all forms of sexuality. They want people across the world to feel as comfortable in their own skin as they do. It's nice to hear that somebody actually felt comfortable coming out after seeing these things happen, which which is actually also our goal. Yeah, um, it's amazing if you can inspire people mm-hmm. to be themselves. And I think we did it and our lives became much better and mm-hmm. we're much happier. So I can only yeah, encor- encourage other people to do the same and, and you will see it will only make things better. Stories of Bravery, Determination and Talent is an original Eurosport series produced by Mundale Studio. The narrator and story editor is me, Owen Blackhurst. The writer and producer is James Bird. And the executive producers are Tyo Papula and Seb White. The assistant producer is Chris Byfield. For Eurosport, the commissioning editor is Mark Asian and the executive producer, Ian Brackley. Archive from Eurosport and BBC via Getty Images. Original music composed by Harry Harris.